everybody. Welcome to another episode of Courtside with Bielinson Tennis, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm super fired up for this guest. Tonight we have with us the 1989 Illinois High School State singles champion and a two-time team state champion in 1987 and 1988 at New Trier High School in Winneka, Illinois. He played collegiately at Notre Dame where his 1992 team finished second in the NCAAs. And in his 12 years as the boys varsity coach at New Trier High School, he has amassed 11 team trophies, including three state team champions championships. He was supposed to be concluding his 13th year at the time of this recording, yet obviously this season was taken away because of COVID-19. However, we are still happy and thrilled to welcome Coach Tad Eckerd to the pod. Coach, thanks, man. You doing all right? I am. Yeah, tennis is opening up here in Illinois, so there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but it's been a, just a brutal spring. Yeah, and I know when we were talking about it, I constantly heard the disappointment um, in your voice because I know the passion you have and, and how you so, so uh, look forward to each spring. You guys, you're at an incredible high school. You're always in the hunt for, uh, for playing for highest of stakes. And, um, you know, you feel horrible for the kids, whether it's college seniors, whether it's high school seniors. Um, those life moments, it's really disappointing. And um, you hope those people can, can somehow – I don't know, uh, learn from it somehow and, and have bigger, bigger and better things ahead of them. Yeah, I think, you know, the, living for the moment, right, and just appreciating all those opportunities that you have, maybe that's the perspective that we'll get out of this. But it's certainly, like, up, upheavaled our whole life, right? I mean, I would be checking the sectional results right now on the computer, wondering who were the state qualifiers. Instead, right. I'm talking to you. It's not a bad yeah. fact. That's that's it's a downtick. We're used to doing, right? Yeah, I mean, we we'd be talking at the matches, but yeah, I know, uh, I know you and I are friends, but I know you'd much rather be uh, coaching your team, and I'd be, I'd much rather be coaching my team. But but this will have to do for a decent consolation. So, True. Um, you got a heck of a tennis journey. So let's go and get get started. Um, we'll bring you up to current, obviously, but you have yep. quite a story. So. Um, I'll let you kind of start with how you got involved in the sport, sure. whether your parents kind of pushed you or siblings or whatnot. Well, my parents met on a tennis court in Oak Park, Illinois. So I guess I was kind of destined to play, play the game and kind of started fiddling around with them, uh, you know, when I was young, age two or something. And then got a little more serious. Um, when I was about seven, I got introduced to Jerry Carson. And he was my first real private instructor. And what a great guy to have as uh, as as pro number one in your life, you know, North Shore Racquet Club guy and Wimbledon player and father-son champion, you know, over and over and over. Um, so he really started me off getting a little more serious about tennis. And then I started going out to Aurora with Jack Sharp when I was about 12, met um, some of the better players around the area and they were playing out there, recommended him. So started going out to the Aurora Tennis Club with that whole cast of characters. Um, all the way through high school and then had the opportunity to play for some really Hall of Fame coaches. And I think that's really, really helped my development and, and gave me a leg up when it came to coaching and gave me a real taste of, of what's possible with coaching. So I played for Coach John Schneider at Nutrier and he won 700 plus basketball games, but also like five or five or six, seven, I don't know, more than me, state championships uh, in tennis. <laughs> Uh, he was my coach for those two and then played for a true Hall of Famer. who He got inducted recently and he just wrote a book, um, Coach Bobby Bayless at, at Notre Dame. Um, and then my assistant there happened to be Brian Calbus, 
um, who I'm sure someday will be in the Hall of Fame because he's just dominating at North Carolina, um, coaching the women's program. So, you know, if you pay attention with those kind of people, um, it's not too hard to, you know, kind of take notes on how to run your own program. And so I'm just using most of their material, but really have a passion for coaching, like you said in the introduction. And it, it's been a really rewarding experience, you know, for me. And, and I think I've given some, some good lessons to the kids. You know, we're at a unique age in high school where they're really transitioning. And I think it's a good fit for me personally. Yeah. And I don't want to um, omit any of these important facts. For those that don't know Tad, he had quite a junior career including, as I said in the intro, um, Illinois, uh, Illinois High School State champion. And you played a guy in the finals, I believe, who you had relatively little or no success against in the past. Is that true? Yeah, that's right. Paul Pridmore was one of the Aurora, West, West Aurora, the powerhouse, you know, that's not even on the map anymore in high school tennis because Jack was out there. And uh, he and Jimmy Panagopoulos, who was one year below, were like, arch rivals in high school tennis and so um i was actually unseated or not seated in the top eight they only published eight seeds back then um and kind of just worked my way through the dry beat panagopolis in the round of 16 um and beat, beat two other seeds so i got to the finals and had to play pridmore who i had never beaten in my whole life um but we had played a lot together so there was a little bit of a comfort there but there wasn't a whole lot of confidence <laughs> to be honest with you but um you know, that things broke my way and I just got hot on one weekend. You know, you see that on like the PGA golf tour, right? You know, a golfer gets hot. Right. And he Tiger Woods, right? So, you know, that was kind of my story in high school. And it kind of gives hope that if you really have the passion for high school tennis, work hard and get hot at the right time, kind of anything's possible. And that's what I try to preach to my guys. But Paul and I were really good friends. We played um, national uh, doubles, you know, uh, in the 18s, we got to the quarters of the clay courts and stuff. So it was a, it was a friendly rivalry, but I think I was one in 14 lifetime against him. So, wow. But you'll take that one win. I'm sure. So yeah, um... he got it next year and then Panagopoulos got it the year after. So Jack coached three kids, three separate kids that won back to back to back. state wow. championship. Yeah. That's incredible. Too. You see that a lot with one guy winning multiple, but rarely three guys from the same pro a development program kind of went in, went in in a row like that. So it's a good yeah, story. For yeah, for sure. And then you continued on your career in Notre Dame. You had really, really good teams. Or what did you finish second? You finished second in the NCAAs one year, right? Yeah, I didn't play very much because we were so good. Um, but I did play a lot that year. Uh, one of the guys got hurt in doubles. So during the year, I was like nine and one at number three doubles. Um, but our team was incredible. We had Dave DeLucia, who was the number one player in the country at the time and he and chuck coleman were like number one in doubles um so we just had a just a gangbuster team and that was another case of like you know uh david kind of taking down goliath you know we beat we beat georgia and usc and then played lost to stanford in the finals but it was little notre dame you know the midwest school getting to the finals of the ncaa's and it was really you know uh just a special thing to be a part of yeah, that, that's sweet. So you had some high school and then uh, high school career and then some awesome college experiences. You kind of already answered this previously, but um, we'll dive into it maybe a little bit more. When you started to transition into coaching, um, you know, you've talked, I, I was going to say, who are some of your main influences as coaches? Yeah. You've kind of touched on that, but I'll, I'll ask you, how do you go about forming your practice plans? Again, tennis is tricky because it's an individual sport. 
when it's one-on-one -on -one out there, obviously you're talking singles, obviously doubles two-on-two, -two, but what is your type of model making sure all kids are on the same page with what that team is trying to accomplish? That's something you're playing bigger than, you know, bigger than just yourself. Yeah, I think that's the one of the really unique parts about coaching high school tennis is for a lot of these kids, um, it's their first real team experience. And I know the USTA has got some plans to incorporate more team action into their development. But unless you're at the, the top of the Midwest or the top of the Chicago district, you don't get very many USTA team opportunities. Um, so in high school tennis, realistically, like the, the new kids new to varsity, it's just trying to get them to learn that it's not always all about themselves and that there's a bigger, bigger unit out there and that's the team and how, how we can help each other um, to get to where we want to be at the end of the season. Um, nice. teamwork and, and just selflessness and, you know, just the right attitude and kind of getting the parents away from them a little bit. I think those are all real positive things um, for high school tennis and for the development of kids. Not that they're going to go on to, you know, play professionally or even in college necessarily, but just to become more independent and, and learn that there's a, there's a framework out there where they can feel like they're part of something as opposed to just being out on an island like they've been uh, at USTA a lot. Nice. And then, yeah, yeah, and then like, if, you know, lesson-wise and, and, and to, you know, my practices, I, I remember being at the Illinois Coaches Conference one time and I, Bob Bayless was one of the speakers and he started doing these drills and I was like, oh my God, like this is where all my drills come from. Like I thought like I created some like great drills and everything, but really I was just using all of his stuff because yeah. the thing to the conference. And I was like, I use every one of those drills. So yeah. coaches in every sport, coaches steal from each other. Earlier, you know? Like, you know, those guys have had a lot of success, you know, Jerry, Jack, um, you know, Bob Bayless, uh, Calbus, you know, Schneider. Right. So it's just kind of taking bits and pieces from, all of those guys, you know, within your own personality, but yeah. we're fortunate at Nutrio too. It's, it's a high level tennis program. You know, you're not teaching kids how to hold a racket. So right. I really focus on strategy more than, you know, technique. Right. Uh, I really like to do situational things and practices. So rarely do I let um, people play points without restrictions. Um, like I can remember when I had Steinman and Hiltzik and they were, you know, one, two in the state, and some reporters had asked me, like, hey, well, what happens in practice? I'm sure they play every day. Like, what are the scores? Like, what do you think is going to happen? And I said, honestly, I don't think I've let them play one time all season where there haven't been rules, you know, and that rule might be, okay, you know, Robert only gets to hit second serves. Or the rule might be, okay, Jared has to look to attack his forehand. Or the rule might be if, if Jared comes to that, Robert has to hit a lob or something. So there's always some little restriction in the game to focus on what you really want as a coach, because if you don't, if you don't stifle them a little bit, they're just going to keep playing the same way. Yeah. I, and I get that you can improve your strengths, but in high school, there's a lot of weaknesses that need to be developed too. So putting in some of those rules, incorporating some of those rules really helps people focus on what they need to work on. Yeah. And I, and, and you said, you know, you're at a, you're, you're at a big high school and they have a good tennis program. And I want to kind of talk about some of your, uh, I'll quote unquote, call them first, you know, quote unquote, call them first world problems. 
And in Illinois high school tennis, we're limited to having two singles entries and two doubles entries to compete in sectionals in which if they place in the top four spots, they then qualify for the state tournament. And, you know, you've been privileged to have some unbelievable teams. And I, I, I want to ask you, I, I think part of the, one of the hardest decisions you ever have to make is when you have to tell a kid that you're not going to be placed in our sectional lineup when realistically that kid can go to 90% of the other high schools in the state and they will be one, two or whatever, they'll easily qualify for that school's sectional lineup. Um, that's got to be a tough call to make. How do you, how do you go about that and process that with that individual? Yeah, I think it's, it's a little bit more difficult even with us because we we're so spread out during our season. Like I split our squad a lot. And so people don't really have a great feel for where they are in the lineup because we might have two teams playing simultaneously. So that means two kids are playing number two singles, but maybe, but maybe <laughs> neither one of them is actually a number two guy. Right. So there's a lot of, there's, it's not really clear during the season, which I think helps because everyone feels like they're in it. But I do think when you rip the Band-Aid off, the first Band-Aid off is at conference, right, when you're down to only 11 guys, right, and we don't double up that weekend. So now I'm going from 16 or however many I on varsity to my 11. And then the, the bigger Band-Aid is at sectionals, right, where we have to limp, reveal our top six. Um, and it's just developing those mostly doubles teams during the season. Um, but you also have to be reactive, too, because injuries happen, and sometimes it's, it's like a risk tolerance thing. It's like, do you want to play it safe and get third or get, kind of barely get a trophy, or do you want to just like come up with something crazy like lineup-wise and go for the title, even though it might not work, right? So we've, we've had all different kind of permutations over the years. But the kids, I like to say that lineup decisions are made on the court. And I asked the kids a lot of survey questions during the season. You know, initially I like to put people who like to play doubles together or want to play doubles together together and see how they do because we've got enough really good guys on our team that I shouldn't put them with somebody they don't like, right? Yeah. And then it's like sink or swim for them, right? So if they're doing well and they like each other, that's the perfect situation, right? If they're not doing well and they like each other, well, then I might split them up, right? I mean – but even if they don't like each other, but they're doing well, I'm going to keep them together, right? <laughs> but, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's just a feel, and you got to feel the state landscape, too, the way our state tournament is and points and seeding and things like that. But I, I say I like to have lineup decisions made on the court. And historically, like our surveys, I ask the kids, what should our state lineup be? And they almost all agree with what we submit. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, and so, so I like to give them a voice. It's not necessarily like I'm going to go with exactly what they say, but I like to see what they're thinking throughout the year and how that evolves. And I think that helps us get all on the same page a little bit more um, for sectionals. But, you know, yeah. I've, had kids, I've had it revealed, the lineup revealed at the section, like the day before sectionals, and I've had kids leave that room and not come to the banquet, and I've never seen them again. Yeah. So, you know, and you people, lived it in college, right? You were, you were just out of that lineup in, in the yeah. NCAAs. And I say that for our team on our lexicon, you know, lineup decisions are, ma are made on the court is, is on there. But one, another one that's important that's on there is the seventh man is the most important member of the team. And the seventh man is the guy who just didn't make that sectional lineup or that state lineup. And if he's on board and really with the team concept, 
then you really got a chance and you got something special. And if that guy's going to leave the room and pout and never come back, well, then your team wasn't really that close knit throughout the season. So yeah. that guy's a precarious position, right? And it's up to him. He can try and groundswell everybody who's not in the top six against the coach. Like the coach doesn't know what he's talking about. Or he can really get behind the six guys who are going and try and make them better because we, quite frankly, we can get a lot done in those two weeks between sec, you know, after conference and state, right? Because there's no distractions, there's no matches, and we, can, we know who we have finally in the lineup. So we can really work on developing them and maxing out their performance. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, there, I'm sure you've had experiences where you've had maybe someone play in the sectional lineup their sophomore and junior year. Now the kid's a senior, but you got three unbelievable freshmen coming in. And, you know, just like you said, it's decided on the court, whatever. You have to tell a senior that, you know what, you didn't quite make it this year. And I know that's the worst part of being a coach. But like you said, then it's up to that senior to either, you know, get really upset and walk out and you'll never, you know, badmouth the coach and never see him again. Or like you said, that senior then becomes the most important part of the team. And that seventh guy, he will rally everybody else that you've had, 16 guys you said, the other remaining guys that haven't played. And then you said you may have something special. So it's, it's not a fun position to be in. But um, like I said, it's kind of first world problems at New Trier High School. Right. It shows your character, though. Like when things are going easy and you're winning at number one doubles, you know, it's pretty easy to be happy, right? Right. But if you're the guy just got off the bubble, you know, that's a real test of your character. And the one guy who did it is this guy, Mahir Wag, who ended up um, going to Northwestern. And he actually teaches in, for, in my group that I run from my seventh grader. So, like, he's been the model guy from the second that, well, long before that announcement was made. But he got it. He still gets it. And we're still close, right? And his brother's on the team. awesome. So it's, it's, it's up to the person, really, you know. And as coaches – what I try and tell them is we're just trying to do what's best for the team. I mean, really, that's what I'm doing every day. What is best for the team? And that might not be best for you, but, it, but I'm always focused on what is best for the team. Right. And, and, and they don't always have that perspective. I hope I have that perspective all the time. I know I don't all the time, but that's really the goal, right? What's right. best for the team? For sure. Just want to ask you, uh, both as a player, when you played and as a coach, give me one or two of your uh, proudest moments. Well, I mean, as a coach, I think that for me, it really really started with uh, Tom and Jared over at Loyola. Um, when Coach Fitzgerald let me kind of take the reins for these two little freshmen, uh, let's see, that would have been in like 2004. Um, and the first year, they barely qualified for state. The second year, they qualified and won a couple matches. The third year, they upset a seed and, and then flamed out in the back draw, actually, to get against GBN. And then the, their senior year, they were seated. Shout out GBN, by the way. Shout yeah, out GBN. Exactly. They were seated top, <laughs> top eight and lost in the round of 16. And the year before, we had gotten to the quarterfinals and taken a set off of the, the, the number one seeds that won the whole tournament. So they had, like, really high aspirations. And that – we lost in the round of 16 but worked their way through the back run and I'm up getting a uh, sixth place state medalist. And, and coach Fitzgerald really gave me the reins to that team for those four years. So that kind of proved to me that I was capable of, of okay. making things happen. Yeah. Out of kids that, you know, weren't, weren't super awesome tennis players at the beginning. 
but they really bought in. And so they're, they're on my, they're on the top of my list, those two. Um, so that was a great coaching moment, you know, and then, you know, winning is always fun, but that, you know, the journey and the experience is what really where the story is. And that's yeah. the shame of the season. You know, we just don't have a story to tell. Right. It, it might not have been like a happy ending. It might not have been like everyone's greatest, proudest moment, but we would have had a story and, and we always have a story. I mean, I feel like the state tournament is a, is a novel in itself usually, but the se whole season is such a great story. You can always find something rewarding out of it, and that's what didn't happen this season. So that's so that's a little disappointing. Then playing wise, you know, I won the qualifier, the CDTA qualifier, all four years. Um, so th so that's that's not a, something that everybody does. 12s, 14s, 15s, 18s. So that was that was a good accomplishment. Obviously, winning the singles, but those two team titles really whet my appetite for being part of something special team wise. Um, and that was when I was a freshman and a sophomore. So, you know, that really got me hooked on high school tennis. And, you know, even before that, I was riding in Jerry Carson's band at the state tournament when I was in seventh and eighth grade. So just being around that whole, you know, spectacle is just really motivating. So. Yeah. And I, and, and the next thing I wanted to ask you about was, was high school tennis. And, and I, I obviously have known you for a number of years now. I see the passion. You love it. Um, open up a little bit about the good and the bad. And you could even talk about, you know, we have, we have several kids and, and gosh, I just, I remember back to 2015 when the state was so ridiculously deep and we had two guys, one guy on, uh, it, was, it was two guys on your team that didn't even play that year. Um, I mean, we had the, just so the listeners know, our state semifinalist was Ohio State, uh, Virginia, Dartmouth, Vanderbilt, Northwestern came in fifth. These are high school players that went to these colleges. You had two guys, Illinois and Stanford, who didn't even play high school tennis. Um, yeah. Talk a little bit about the good and the bad of playing high school tennis. Well, I mean, I think for most people, I, I think it's all good. I, I especially think that kids should try it once. Uh, I think it would be a shame to kind of go three or four years without trying it. Um, that's kind of my big preach to the kids who are on the fence who are thinking maybe I should just stick with my private coach. You know, will I lose USTA or UTR opportunities or points? But I mean, to have that experience of being part of your school and playing for a team, it's unique, right? And you might not get it in college, you know, or you might not get it. It's not going to be the same. That's for sure. Um, so I think trying it one year and seeing how, how it goes. And then I get it. If you didn't like it, if you don't like me, you know, is high school tennis really going to change that much year to year? I mean, there's different faces, right, and different players. Right. But it's kind of the same fun <laughs> and content. And I'm not, like, evolving, like, into some Martian, right, year to year. So I'm, I'm trying to improve myself as a coach, but I'm kind of realistically kind of the same, right? So if you didn't like me or you didn't like the experience, I'm not going to promise you it's going to be something totally new and different the next year. But if you're sitting on the sidelines and you've never played, I really think it, you should come out and see what it's about, especially if you're thinking about playing in college. Because nowadays with all the homeschooling, I think one of the challenges of, of college coaches, and you would know because you talk to them more than I do, even though I have a, a lot of guys I used to play with are coaches now, but, but they – getting a homeschooled kid to buy into a team is like a totally unique challenge, right? Because my kids are eighth graders or freshmen when they start being on a team. That's four more years where they've been 
on their own, right? right? Or really even more isolated. They're not even in a school. And then they've got to learn how to be part of a team or a team practice. I mean, wow, that's, that's going to be challenging. So I think it can prepare you for the next level. You know, maybe not on the court, but maybe some of the other stuff, you know, the, 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 the touchy-feely stuff that's going to make you a better teammate in, in college. Yeah, you're you're doing these transitions for me. Um, so this is this is great. The next thing that I wanted to go into uh, into it with you is, you've had incredible success at Nutrier, um, and obviously it's a it's a tennis powerhouse. It's a great great school academically. There's had to be at least maybe I don't know in the back of your mind, maybe saying to yourself, you know what. Do I maybe want to do this at the collegiate level? You obviously played at the collegiate level. You played at a very high-level college in, in um, collegiate tennis. Has there been some opportunities, either they seeking you or you've wanted to say, you know what, let's let's maybe try this at, at even a higher level? I don't think they're really looking at high school coaches, to be honest with you. In fact, I've been surprised that a lot of the coaches don't reach out to me when they're evaluating some of the players. Uh, you know, some of them do. But some of them don't. I think that's interesting because I think you can learn a lot about a kid um, through their high school tennis experience. But I think that the coaching pipeline, you know, if you really want to be a college coach, I think you got to be an assistant somewhere um, in college and kind of work your way up through that. Now, I mean, would it be interesting? Would it be fun? Sure, it would. But it would be a lot of work, too. Um, and I've got a, a manufacturing company that I'm running. And so High school tennis is a nice little side gig. It's really my passion, right? Um, but it doesn't pay the bills, okay? Right. And, and so, and, and I think that college coaching is just, those guys work really hard. Uh, and, and I know a lot of them pretty well. Um, they work really hard. And the recruiting is something that, I mean, I've never done. Well, I don't know if I've never done. I recruit in the hallways of Nutria to try to <laughs> come out for our team. But I'm not flying to like, Belarus or like Croatia and, and watching YouTube videos of some Russian and trying to decide if they can play on my team. Right. right. You know, I'm, I'm going to the, I'm, I'm going into a kid's advisory and telling them, you know, it's a lot of fun to play high school tennis. So it, it's, you know, rather than talking about how much money I'm going to give them, and, you know, how many pro tournaments I'm get them in, you know, before they graduate. So it's a whole different animal. Um, you know, and those guys are running really high level practices intense practices i always tell my kids like you might you don't think i'm nice like i am so nice wait till you get to college right but like, you'll find out how nice i am they come back and most of them are like yeah I, you know you were right you know you weren't you weren't very mean at all <laughs> it's like my college coach because you know it's their livelihood they're depending on the performance of an 18 to 22 year old you yeah. know and it's, it's just, it's just more important, right? Yeah. It's more important for them. For me, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I believe me, I take it super seriously and I like to win and I like to have a good time with the kids and, and really create the team thing. And, and it's really important to me, but you know, it's not like their, their livelihood and depending right. on 18 to 22 year old, man, that's tough because there's such little room for error, right? There's, some of these squads only carry seven, eight guys, right? Yeah. And they're playing six. So you're one injury away or one missed recruiting away from like not meeting any of your goals. You know, it's, it's just brutal. Well, you let know? me flip it. Let me, 
we can always blame who well no we don't have good players living in our right. <laughs> you know yeah well generally you don't have that problem but um i will say this let me let me flip it around this way would there be any interest and i'm not saying and this would be way way down the road maybe of going to a school that may not have the size of a new trier the uh, history and the tradition of a new trier and building a program from the ground for up sure. for sure i think that is more intriguing to me than than going to the college level so you know there's some teams in our conference right who who have one one hit wonders sometimes they have like one good player but it would be a really good experiment to try and um take a take a town right and and start early with kids and then see how it happens and i'm kind of doing that with my little guy because i've been teaching him since he was nine and I've gotten some of the Nutrier kids together um, that have lived in the district and they're coming in next year as freshmen. Um, so I know these kids really well and it's been a little experiment to see like, can we get the team cohesiveness built earlier so that we're not just learning who we are and what that's all about in high school tennis. Um, so the next four years, we'll really figure it out. The eighth graders that right now are coming in next year. I've started with them since they were about nine and then mm -hmm. my guy, behind them um but yeah taking a taking a, a small small town or small school and getting a bunch of tom and jared's right who you can just take under your wing and they really buy in i mean that would be awesome i i would be totally into that and and quite honestly the coaches that i have a ton of respect for have done that in the past or are doing that right now i mean you look at some of these places like metamora right or edwardsville you know who aren't necessarily like big tennis powerhouses and they've had great great teams recently because of their coaches and then you look at some of the teams that were really strong when i was playing like bloomington or west aurora and they're not even on the right qualifying for state anymore because the, the coach who did it all isn't there anymore right so they so in a community like that you can have such an enormous impact and i think that that's undervalued in our sport you know Hinsdale wins the title and we have the state medalists and this and that, right? But those guys are really the ones who are developing tennis and really doing something like remarkable for the game in communities that otherwise wouldn't experience it at all. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. And, and myself associated with the Glenbrook North uh, Boys Program, you at New Cheer, we've had um, our battles and it's been so fun. And you, like you said, you want to win bad. We want to win bad, but we've always had, uh, at least I, I'll say this. I've always had the most ultimate respect for, for you sure. and, and what yeah. you do. And, um, like you said, we're both smiling now. Uh, this is going to be audio. We may upload this to YouTube, but we have so much fun and that's what it's all about at the end of the day. We're lucky to have good kids, um, not only on the tennis court outside of the tennis court as yeah. well, but we've also been, uh, blessed to have some pretty decent tennis players as well and yeah i say new trier so is going to win a lot more than they lose no matter who's coaching i mean that's just the reality of it right yeah. um so try and make a difference in other ways sometimes and you guys are doing a great job at gbn too i mean i've all these coaches friends i've missed this season too right we I haven't know. seen each other you know I the know. band is half the fun and telling the stories and you know we we missed out on that but you know really feel for the kids yeah um, i know you know, especially those seniors and then the kids who are new to varsity who just missed out on the experience. It's, it's just a shame. But I think it's the right thing to do. And tennis taking some baby steps, getting back, you know, that's encouraging. So it gives us a little hope. Yeah, for sure. Hey, man, uh, this was fun.
I wanted to, I wanted to get you on for a while and I appreciate your time. Obviously we would have liked to see each other on the court this spring. It didn't happen. We'll get there next year, but um, you have such a good story and you, you uh, have so many cool experiences. Thank you for taking time today and sharing that with us. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks, man.